This morning's reading comes from Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his court. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. You may know that Avril, my, my wife, and I are applying to be missionaries. One of the questions that keep com- keeps coming up in our interviews is, why? Why do you want to go? There's great sacrifices for family, for Caleb, our son's education, separating him from his grandparents. Uh, there's lots of stresses living in a new culture. So why? Why do you want to do it? What motivates you to mission? Uh, It's a good question for all of us. Hopefully you've been thinking about your making Christ known names this month. What motivates you to speak to them? What motivates us all to make and take opportunities to tell our friends, our family, our neighbours about Jesus? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It's awkward. There can be lots of risks involved to relationship, to reputation. Unless we have an answer to that question, why? Unless we have an answer to that question, we're probably not going to. We're probably not going to do it, are we? Unless Avril and I have a good question to, the, to a good answer to the question of mission, maybe we'll go. But when things get hard, will we stay? The Psalms are good at engaging our hearts. They're, they're great at plucking our desires. And this Psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 96, it plucks at our desires for mission. It tugs at our hearts and says. Boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if the world knew Jesus? Wouldn't it just make you sing if all of Penrith knew Jesus? Wouldn't it be just the best thing that could happen if your neighbours, your friends, your family knew Jesus? And more than that, this psalm encourages us that what the world wants most, what the world is longing for most, is all found in God. That the God that who deserves their praise is the God their hearts long to give it to. We're going to look at this psalm in two parts. The first part is the God who deserves the praise of the world. And the second part is the world who wants to praise God. The God who deserves the world's praise 
and the world who longs to praise God. Um, Look with me down at verse 1. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 96 is a call to worship the God of Israel. And it's a psalm full of joy. Sing, 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 it starts. The psalm begins urging us to sing, calling us to sing a new song. Now, why a new song? Well, new songs match new circumstances. New songs reflect new mercies. I mean, it's more than just fresh words and an original tune. New songs express a response to God's new works of rescue and restoration. Announcing that a new song should be sung is announcing that God has done something new for us. Now, we can see new new songs in the Bible. We see them at the beginning. We see them at the end. Um, After Israel crosses the Red Sea, Moses and the people, they sing a new song, celebrating God's new deliverance of them from slavery. And in Revelation, right at the end of the Bible, the people sing a new song as the lamb who looks slain appears to finally fulfill God's plans. New songs signal that God has done something that should shake us to our core, that should change our orientation entirely, move our center of gravity from here to there. New songs come from a new orientation, a new work of God that changes everything. Now, who has God done this work for? Who should join this new song? The summon of this psalm is not just to Israel, it's to the whole world. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Now in verse 7, the psalm calls on all the families of the nations. And in verse 13, it's all creation that the psalm calls to sing and worship and rejoice in the Lord. Now there's a bit of a strange dynamic that goes on in this psalm. The psalm is addressed to the whole world. It's addressed to all of creation. It calls on them to join in the worship of God, but it wasn't sung to them. It's addressed to them, but it wasn't sung to them. The nations of the world aren't in the room while Israel is singing to it. Now, Israel sings to Israel. Israel is singing to Israel. Israel is singing to Israel a song that addresses the world. It's a bit weird, right? But it makes sense as a song sung by people who aren't content to praise God alone. That's not enough. When they, when they look around at each other, they say, this isn't enough. They say, I don't want a, an empty pew in this place. I want this place jammed full of people. I want every place jammed full of people singing this song. God deserves the praise of every other nation as well, they say. God deserves the praise of the whole world. Um, it's meant as, as a G up. I wonder if you know, I hope you know what I mean by that. A, a hype up, this, a building of energy together, encouraging each other that this God that we follow, this God shouldn't just get our praise. This God is so impressive. What he's done for us is so good that he is worthy to be praised by the whole world as well. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Oh, for every tongue of every person, of every nation, to sing to my God. That's the flavor of this psalm. Oh, for every tongue to sing to this God because he deserves it. It's the imaginations of a congregation just gone wild with the wondrous thought 
of a world praising God. Well, dreams come back down to reality in verse 2 because with the call to, um, because with that vision cast wide of a world praising God comes the call to proclaim his salvation day after day, to declare his glory among the nations. It's like they've said, if we want the whole world to praise our God, I guess we're going to, go have, to, we're going to have to go and get them. If he deserves the praise of, the, of all the earth, then we can't keep his salvation secret. Now that word for proclaim is the same word for the duty of a, of a runner running in front of an army, telling those waiting at home about the victory of that army. It's, it's the same idea that we get the word gospel from proclaiming good news, speaking of all God has done, telling the nations about God's salvation. How will people be drawn to praise him? Well, only if we tell them what he has done. God's goodness, his character is known in what he has done. His glory is known in his actions of salvation, his his marvellous deeds. Only by speaking about them Can we draw people into the praise of God? Those who sing this song long to do that day after day among all nations, all peoples, declaring his marvellous deeds. Every dimension of time, space, everywhere, all the time, drawing more and more people into the praise of the God who deserves it. For great is the Lord, verse 4, and most worthy of praise. There's something to be said here for our own thinking about mission. What's your heart for Penrith? As we think about making Christ known names, as we think about our unbelieving children maybe, our unbelieving partners, unbelieving friends or neighbours, this psalm plucks our hearts, encourages us to say, boy, oh boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if they were in the pew next to me? Praising God. Boy, oh boy, does God deserve their praise. After all, what's the alternative? You see it in verse 4 and 5. The gods they currently offer their praise to, the ones who receive their offerings of of time, of talent, of treasure, they're, they're nothing but idols. The gods the world trusts in are idols. That word idols mean, literally means nothings, non-entities, futile things. They do nothing. They have done nothing. Utterly impotent next to the God omnipotent. Only one God is worthy of praise. And he's not someone we can think up in our heads. Only one God made the heavens. Only one God has splendor and majesty going before him like police cars and secret service in a motorcade. Only one God has strength and glory surrounding him like a pop star's entourage. This God is our God, and he ought to receive the praise of the world. All people ought to sing to him a new song, turn to him, give their allegiance to him. Verses 7 to 10, and we find the response God deserves from the world. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. It's kind of a funny word, ascribe, isn't it? I don't remember the last time I've used that in regular conversation. What does it mean? Um, if, or maybe when, 
Ash Barty wins the Australian Open, we'd say, wow, what a champion. Now that would be ascribing, recognizing, acknowledging what she's done, who she is, a champion. Ascribe to God the glory to his name. The right response of the people being told of God's salvation is to recognize that the God who saves is faithful and wise, mighty and marvelous, to acknowledge it and respond to it by coming to him, worshiping him in his place. It's a response that you'd only make if you were turning away from your own gods, transferring your allegiance, worshiping now the God of Israel. Um, it's the same response that we see uh, in the book of Thessalonians. Um, their response to the gospel was to turn to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven. That's the response that this psalm makes us long for. People who acknowledge the glory of our God, a world that gives God what he deserves. It's exactly the same desire that sits behind the prayer, hallowed be your name. That desire that the world would no longer mock or knock God's name, but honour him, acknowledge him. Friends, as all of us think about what motivates us to make and take opportunities to speak about Jesus, as we answer that question, why? This psalm teaches us to have front and centre the God who deserves a world to praise him. So in making Christ known, we tell a world to turn and worship the God who deserves it. Now, the second thing this psalm shows us is that the world wants to worship our God. Now, if you asked any person on the street, what do you want most in life? What do you want most in life? What do you think they'd say to that? Um, if you asked your Making Christ Known names or those that you're thinking about praying for this year, um, if you asked them th that question, what do you want more than anything? What do you think they would say to that? Um, I actually love for you to have a think. I'm going to have, give you a few moments. I'll count down from five seconds in my head. Have a think. What do you want more than anything? What would they say? Well, the psalm says God is the source of so much that the world wants. I mean, in, there's, there's salvation, rescue in verse 2. There's happiness in verses 11 and 12. In verse 5, there's even fulfillment found in the move from empty, nothing idols to the worship of the God who made the heavens. But this psalm focuses in on two things. Two things which the world seems to want more than anything at the moment. Stability and justice. Both of those things come in verse 10. Have a look down there. It says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Now in verse 2, it was God's salvation and glory that was being proclaimed. Here it's God's rule. The Lord reigns. And now this, this, just, this isn't just some sort of fact that's being reported, a statement about God being sovereign today. It's actually a phrase that looks forward that anticipates something coming, something new. It's the news that a kingdom has come. When will it end? Have you heard that question recently? When will it end? When will all this worrying end? Will I, won't I catch it? Can I go to that event? Can I see those people? 
How many vaccines do I need now? How many variants might come after this? When will it end? Beyond COVID, there's, there's tsunamis, there's tornadoes, there's bushfires, there's floods. When will they end? When will the anxiety and the worry end? The psalm says that the God who made the heavens, he reigns. His kingdom is here. Under him, the world is firmly established. That's a phrase that's connected in the Bible to the, to the ruling of God over his creation. Only he has the power to bring stability. Only with him restraining creation can it never be moved. Only he can make it reliable and dependable. I mean, that makes sense, right, doesn't it? To look to the one who made the world to be the one who brings it stability, to end the anxiety of its unpredictability. The promise of this psalm is that the God who fixes the world on its foundations, who sets order to creation, that his rule will bring the stability that we long for. But not only stability, God will judge the peoples with equity. God will bring justice and judgment. In the last couple of years, we've seen how powerful the desire for justice has become. Um, Not just for tennis players. Um, You might remember that it was uh, only 18 months ago that more than 20 million people gathered to cry out for justice in the Black Lives Matter protests. So much happens in this world. So much happens that we, for which we rightly want justice. Um, I worked for a, uh, for a year with the government as a paralegal working on cases that came out of the Royal Commission into the into institutional child abuse. We were responding to claims made against governments and schools, prisons and hospitals. There's been no time in my life where I've longed for justice more than my first week in that job. In a world of so much injustice, with governments and court systems only so capable of ensuring justice is done. The world longs for true justice. The world longs for people to be treated fairly. God is trustworthy to do that. And the alternative is either fickle gods or arbitrary, ineffective decisions of human governments. God stands apart from those. God will rule with righteousness and faithfulness. Sing to the Lord all the earth because he is the only one who can bring stability and justice. Look at verses 11 to 13. All creation is just getting excited in these verses. The psalm is really laboring the point. Um, The heavens are rejoicing, the earth is being glad, the sea is resounding, the fields are being jubilant, the trees are singing for joy, heavens, earth, sea, fields, everything and all of them rejoicing, being glad, being jubilant, resounding, singing for joy, every word for rejoicing, the thesaurus being piled on to describe every aspect of creation. It's this this universal creation-wide call to joy. All of creation swept up into the joy of what verse 13 announces. And look down there. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. Creation itself, beside itself, because the Lord is coming. 
and he's coming to judge. It's interesting here that justice isn't the enemy of joy. It's really easy to think of the idea of God's judgment purely negatively, as the kind of passages in the Bible that we want to avoid. But this psalm has no hesitation in holding joy and justice together. Creation rejoices at God's coming in righteousness, in God's coming in righteousness and truth to judge. His coming to judge isn't just that, uh, an idea of punishment, coming to punish people for wrongdoing. And don't get me wrong, that will happen. People will be held accountable for how they've treated God and others when he comes to judge. But God's judgment is far richer than that as well. It's a judgment that involves restoration, a judging that will be in righteousness, a judging that will be according to his grace, the, the kindness of the promises made, he made to his people, a judgment that vindicates his people, a judgment that sets right the universe for rejoicing. By describing God's judgment this way, by linking joy and judgment, the psalm is looking forward to God's judgment of us in Jesus. The judging of us through our representative and substitute, a judgment that was against us, but now rests in another. A judgment paid in full by Jesus, and so a judgment that sets us free and restores us, brings us to rejoicing. A salvation that brings out in us a new song. This is the justice that God's kingdom brings. A justice that not only deals with evil, we, the evil we see and hate in the world, but a justice that restores. A justice that vindicates God's people and a justice that returns God's world to how he designed it. So that's Psalm 96, a song of Israel a summons to the world, a summons to join in singing a new song of salvation and restoration, a new song to the God and King whose reign ensures stability, justice, and joy for all creation. So what is it that motivates us towards mission? What motivates us to commit this, this, this month to, to praying for and taking opportunities to speak about Jesus with our making Christ no names this year. Well, first, this psalm tells us or gives us the motivation of a love for God who deserves the praise of the world. Wouldn't you love to see Penrith caught up in the praise of our God? How often do we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How earnestly do we long for his name to be hallowed, to be honoured across the world? The Lord is great and most worthy of praise. The second reason, um, a love for the world whose greatest longings are met by the God who reigns. And people might tell us that they don't want a bar of God. They might think that they, they don't want him, but we know they do. We know our, God, our God's rule is good that he actually meets their most honest longings. I really hope that's an encouragement to you not to give up, an encouragement to you to keep praying, keep inviting to church, keep offering to read the Bible with, um, with your friends, your family. Keep testifying how in your own life you've experienced the joy of knowing the rule of God. What does the world want? 
The world wants to join in singing to the Lord a new song. Now, would you join me in praying? Father, you are great and most worthy of praise. Help us long together for the world to know and acknowledge this, that your great glory, your strength, your splendor, the marvelous works of your salvation would lead our friends, our family, our neighbors, our city, our world to worship you, to worship you, the one who meets our deepest desires so fully in your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.